Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Hi, this is Adrienne Barbeau. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, and you're going to learn a lot. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Shaw DeWeird. We are the show that talks about computers. Technology. And, of course, the Internet. How you been? Uh, busy. Yeah? Uh, just lots lots of sports. Yeah. Now for those, lots of live sports. So for those that don't know, Sean is in Indiana. Actually, you are you work for uh, Notre Dame. <laughs> I yeah, I'm a, right. I'm a broadcast video engineer for the University of Notre Dame, so I do a lot of live sports events. That's uh, And that's got to be, this is the season right now, isn't it? Basketball starts this week. Men's played t- Tuesday night or Monday night. Women start playing Friday night. And then, of course, we have football. But there's also, we have soccer. Oh man! And volleyball. So and, now, when when you, you broadcast in year, when you put this out on broadcast, does it go out to the university so they can watch it in the the dorm rooms? Or we, is we this... do have an we do have an internal. It's called IPTV. It's an IP based TV system. Uh, but all of our shows get put onto the ACC network, mm-hmm. whether it is digitally or on the actual ACC network, which is part of ESPN now. Oh, that's kind of cool. Now, all right, and that's big because we got to touch on ESPN here coming uh, coming up. But uh, two questions I have for you: Number one, did you get the A10 Mini yet? <laughs> have you taken a look at that? No, I have not gotten it yet. Um, <laughs> Is I, it out? I, it's supposed to be. Out I don't this know month. if it's out yet. I haven't checked, um, but I do want to get one for sure. There was a, a discussion going on in one of the uh, um, radio groups that I'm a member of on Facebook, and they have, you know, it's it's a bunch of people that do radio broadcasting and. They were talking about looking for a low-cost solution for streaming uh, in the the studios for the the radio shows. Because let's face it, um, people can listen in their cars to the radio. They can, you know, hear what the, their favorite morning show or afternoon show is doing on the radio, and it's kind of fun. But now, with so many people now listening at work, maybe they want to be able to see the shows, and they found that this is a whole different way to connect with with viewers. There's a lot of, um, in my experience, there's a lot of radio podcasts that are actually done as video podcasts and put on the internet, but they also do the radio board. They take the audio and they ship it off a radio. So I don't, it's definitely popular, um, cause you get a lot of eyeballs on the internet. Um, you, you do. And it can, it helps promote the radio portion of it. So, I mean, if you've got a podcast and you can see the video, go, oh, I want to subscribe to these guys. And maybe and guess what? Now they have a low cost option. Yeah, exactly. So the big question, though, is and that was the question going on is what would somebody recommend for for streaming? And of course, here at uh, KTVY, the station we broadcast on, we use uh, tele telestream Wirecast, which is mm-hmm. um, it's a paid for solution. Uh, it can be a bit. Let's be honest, it can be a bit pricey, uh, but you have the ability as far as as many as your computer can ha- handle uh, video streams and then, you know, one audio stream coming off the, the mixing board. And while that might be a little too techy for some listening, um, but it gives us the ability to stream public service announcements and events and interviews that we do here at the station. And I've, I've used uh, Wirecast for years and I love the, 
I love the fact you pop up graphics and the whole bit. However, you know, I mentioned that and right away I get, you know, kind of attacked because like, dude, that's silly. You should be using OBS and uh, OBS broadcaster is, would you say a low cost solution <laughs> or a, well, it's a, it's a free solution. So it, no just cost take, it, solution. it takes time to learn it, but that's it's a free thing. solution. I use it when I stream on Twitch. Right. Um, and I'm doing basic stuff with it. You can take it. You plug this thing into your computer. You can take this, the output of this directly to OBS. Right. So you're talking about the tele, the the uh, the A10 Mini, the A10 Mini, which is so, so. Those that missed our interview a few weeks ago, we talked with uh, with Black Magic Designs, and they have this this keyboard. It looks like a, like what a little mini keyboard, right? Yeah, it looks like about half the size of a normal numpad keyboard. Right, and I mentioned the A10 Mini on there, and one one of the guys went and looked at it, and he says, "Yeah, but you know, you can't use webcams with it." And I'm thinking, well, you're gonna go out and you're gonna spend what a uh, hundred bucks for a decent webcam, but yeah. you could spend two hundred and actually get a really good video option now with HDMI out that has some great features on it, or even a DSLR with HDMI out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of think that's cool. I know I'm really looking forward to it. And it's going to be priced under 300 bucks, Which is pretty much unheard of in any type of prosumer software or even professional software. And the ATEM Mini, I'm lumping that into the professional side of it because the ATEM, I mean, that's a whole switching system made by Blackmagic. And uh, this is just kind of a small portion of it. But You know, we've taken, um, I remember one of the years we did CES and we went to the Consumer Electronics Show and we broadcast interviews from there and we took our tower. <laughs> we took two webcams cause that's all my computer could support at the time. We took a big, huge mixing board with us. We had the microphones with us with the ATEM mini. You have the capability because it switches the audio microphone off that camera to a different camera. So when you hit the camera, it will pick up that audio source. Yeah. So, you can configure, can configure it to do a couple different things, but it's, the video follows the audio for the most part, but you can do independent audio sources into it. Yeah. So that anybody doing like uh, any kind of lecture or presentation or a class that maybe somebody can't make it to or the church groups. We talked about that uh, when we did the interview. It's a great solution. I can't wait to get my hands on one. If anybody wants to look that up, Black Magic Designs. But that's one thing I wanted to ask. The other is, what is that thing in front of you, Sean DeWeird? That new microphone. <laughs> yeah. So... I mentioned, I think the first show I ever did with you and Justin, uh, I mentioned that I had my little SM58 yeah. sitting out here, uh, and it was bring, and I'm just using an XLR to USB converter, so it sounded like junk. Um, <laughs> a little, it was one, a little I, tinny. <laughs> yeah, it was a little tinny, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had actually won a Facebook giveaway from Blue Microphones. They're owned by Logitech. Right. Um, and I, it was for two of their Yeti Blue Yeti podcasting microphones. Right. Uh, and I couldn't believe it because you never win stuff when you, you, you sign up for stuff on the internet. You never win stuff. You're like one that. of those. I never win anything, yeah. but I'm yeah. going to sign up anyways. Yeah, I'll sign up. <laughs> so uh, you're hearing my voice in its true form <laughs> instead of through an unprocessed SM58. Right, so now tell us, for anybody that is thinking right now, maybe of doing some podcasting, um, why is this a good solution? What do you like about it? Well, for one, the dynamic range is good uh, for a USB microphone. Now, the, the Yeti, the Yeti, it's just the called the Yeti, mm -hmm. is just USB only. Um, 
So it plugs in, supported by USB. The preamp is all built in internally. They offer a Yeti Pro, which okay. is USB or XLR. So you could put the XLR through your own preamp. You could power it that way. Wow. Um, and But what I like about specifically about this one is it, it's got a headphone out. So I can, I'm not listening to it right now. I just have it piping through my computer. But you can actually listen to the input as it's coming in. It's got a volume control on the front, a mute button directly on the front for podcasting, which is always good. Yeah. But on the back, there's these cool, I'm going to spin around. And you Let can me still take me. a look there. Yeah. It's got, I can, I can put it up so you can see it a little bit on the screen. So it's got these buttons on the back. All right. And I can change the pickup pattern. Okay, so the it, microphone. So now, what does that mean for the 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 user? So the pickup pattern means it changes how the mic picks up your voice based on the number of pickup elements in the microphone. There are a couple standard for the industry, which are cardioid, mm-hmm. omnidirectional, which picks up from every direction, and then there's another couple. That, uh, there's another one that's called hypercardioid, uh, and the way that those are are, it's just the way that picks it up. So if you could. You'd have to just Google it. I know that's a weird <laughs> thing to tell people to do. But you can see, it'll actually show you how it's designed to, the direction of the microphone it picks up your voice. So the benefit of this is it's got a couple options. It's got the cardioid, okay. which is, it picks up from the front and around to the sides and a little bit to the back. That's kind of like what we have on ours. Correct. That's yeah. what that's the setting I have it in right now. There is a omnidirectional, which means it's going to pick up from all over the room. So it, it would pick up sound coming from in front of me, from, from the left, from the back, all over. There is a stereo pickup. So it's going to pick up a left and a right channel, which I have it on right now. It's on the stereo pickup. So it's a left and right channel. Oh, that's nice. But it also has a what they call a duet function, where that, that pickup does two direct straight pickups on each side of the microphone. Oh, very nice. So if you and I were talking, doing an interview... I would set it up into that. You would talk into the backside. I would talk into the front side, and it would give me two discrete channels of audio that I can mix down. Oh wow! So you could left channel will be you, right yeah. channel will be the guest. Yeah. So if you have far, to edit something, I have something... not done it that way yet. But that's to my understanding, that's how it's designed to go using that function, which now, is pretty cool. You're talking about maybe what uh, eight nine inches away from the microphone. You don't have to be right up on it as well. No, you don't have to be right up on it. I mean, for this application, I'm sitting kind of right here, but. Uh, and there is a gain. There is a gain control on the back too. Yeah. Oh. So I if like I sat that. further away, I could just turn the gain up. A physical har- hardware gain, not right. a software gain on my computer that I have to do a couple keystrokes to get to. It's a physical gain, which is kind of cool, because uh, then if you're playing an instrument or you're talking or you're singing, and somebody's a little quieter, you don't have to go in and change it software. It's hard, specifically hardware driven. Um, now, you normally use the microphone off, well, you were using the SM58, but you have a microphone on your headphones as well, because these are like gaming headphones, right? Yeah, this is just the SteelSeries Arctis 7 Pro, which I use their wireless. Uh, the reason I bought these is because it works uh, the USB dongle. I can use them wirelessly with my P- PS4, or I can plug in the, it's not a it's not a uh, eighth inch jack. It's uh, there's this proprietary jack for the headphones that'll plug oh, into my Xbox. Word. I hate that word, proprietary. When it, it comes to technology, it's, oh. <laughs> it's like a micro USB but a different shape. Yeah, um, I can plug that into my Xbox controller and be wired to my Xbox controller because uh, the Xbox does Xbox doesn't support USB wireless USB dongles for headphones. Okay. So one set of headphones I can go from my PC to my PS4, to my Xbox, uh, and they just sound great. But yeah, I've just been previously, when I game and stuff, the 
the microphone just retracts into the case. I've always liked that cool. about some of the gaming headphones yeah. from Seal Series. They're they're good. I know the other ones do that too, but yeah, yeah they put out some good ones. But now, yeah, I've been very happy with these. Uh, previously to these, I had the original version of the Kraken by Razer, oh, which I, I really also loved, but it wasn't wireless. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm, you know, when it comes to when it comes to gaming, I've always been told, and tell me, maybe that's changed. I've always been told wireless not the way to go with gaming. Um, only because like wired keyboards, wired mice, uh, you know, uh, wired headphones are always the way you want to go with gaming because it's the lowest latency uh, on it. D does it really matter anymore? I, mean, I don't think with the technology, I don't think it really matters that much. But I will tell you, the first time you walk up and you're not leashed and your headphones get yanked off your head, <laughs> you will never go back to a wired headset ever again. See, that's all I use is wired. Matter of fact. Um, I, I'll go ahead and mention this now, but I want to I want to find out more about that that microphone. Um, in that radio group I'm in, somebody had mentioned these headphones, and they said, "Oh, you got to check out these headphones. They're inexpensive, and they sound just as good as they they were using the Sony MDRs, which are are usually kind of a broadcast standard, just like uh, the Sennheisers. I use the Sennheiser 280s, which are around about a hundred bucks uh, over at Guitar Center, or you can order them online. The they're very comfortable. They have nice padding on it. The pads can be changed down. If anything ever goes wrong with the padding, because over, over time, and I had the last pair of headphones for about three years, the padding starts to deteriorate. So I went online. I think it was like maybe 20 bucks. I bought new pads for them. So it was almost like a brand new pair of headphones. Then about a month after that, you turn your head a little and you'd start to, it would start to lose one of the channels, you know, and it's wired. So it yeah. was, it's always kind of a pain. And, and Sennheiser was one of the companies that uh, I want to say, I want to say that one of the first ones that I know of that had the plugs so that you could unplug your actual wire from the cups. So that way, if anything went wrong with the wiring, uh, if it was not internal, you had no problem. You just bought a new wire and you were good to go. And I, I did that. I had a, a pair of Sennheisers for, I want to say something like 12 years and they were just, uh, they were great. And the cords go out. I'd order new cords and they were like brand new. And so uh, the 280s I have, one of them went out. And so I went to, I went to Guitar Center. I was looking in there and they had the 300s. So the, the HD 300s, they have the, the plug that actually comes out on those, but they're 200 bucks. I thought, oh man, do I want to spend $200? But then if I have a problem with them, they're going to last a long time. So I'm on this this radio group, and somebody had mentioned that these headphones they saw on Amazon. So I, rather than click their link, I, I went to Amazon just to to take a look, and it's by a company called One Audio. Have you ever heard of them? I, no, I've I had, I had never heard of them either. You get a 24 month extended warranty. You get lifetime labor on them, and it's the One Audio Stereo DJ headphones. And I'm showing them uh, on the camera too. Uh, to Sean right now. And I'm, I'm going to post something on our website about these. $34. Are they wireless? But they're not wireless. They're adapter free. So what that basically means is you can plug a cord in to them and change the cord out. And they're studio DJ headphones, padded, you know, in-ear ear design. So your ear fits inside that padding. So sound doesn't leak out, which is really important for radio. Otherwise you, you hear a lot of feedback. They're well-built. They've got padding on them, but there's uh, a quarter inch jack plug on one one side 
and a you know a small uh, mini on the other side. So I plugged, you know, plugged it in the the mini, and then I plugged the quarter inch into the headphone amplifier. They sound great. Not as bassy as the two eighties that I use, but they yeah. sounded really good. But if something goes wrong with the cord, I could just change the cord out, or I can use a long cord. I can go ahead and buy a super long cord that has that plug and be able to use it anywhere. If I want to walk a hundred feet, I can walk a hundred feet, you know, with the, the, the corded, uh, the corded headphones in there. But then I noticed that I couldn't figure out what this other cable was in it. It actually has the ability to connect to your laptop, your PC, and it turns into a microphone. So you've got a microphone that's, you know, similar to what you would have on your smartphone um, uh, adapter and you have the, the audio coming out of your ear in your, your earphone. So you can do, you know, basic discussions. You can have a, a Bluetooth conversation mm-hmm. while listening to your music and the whole bit. And again, the price $34. So, uh, and so far, I gotta say, I really liked them. If you're looking for a good deal, it's the one audio studio DJ headphones and they're, they're comfortable. They fold up and they even came with a bag, like a little bag you can put them in. Yeah, I'm just kind of perusing their website while you're talking, and it's not these. They have got a ton of different styles and brands. They've got noise canceling. They've got low latency Bluetooth. They've got active noise canceling. Right, and the sound quality is is pretty good on them. Like I said, maybe not up to par with Sennheiser, and the quality with Sennheiser has always been good. But yeah. um, for the price, are these the headphone the Pro Tens? Is that what it's called? The, yeah, it's the Pro 10, exactly what I am. On, on their website, they're listed for $32.99. So I paid $2 more <laughs> for buying them from Amazon. But uh, you can't go wrong. If you're looking for a set of headphones, you don't want to spend, you know, $100. Uh, I'd yeah, recommend that's... these. So now on the on the microphone you're using, the, these are from Logitech. Now, Logitech recently acquired the company. What do these go for? I believe they are 160 on their website. You probably want to go with the Pros if you're going to plug it into a mixer at all. Everybody's kind of picky when it comes to their own audio. And if you want good quality sound, you will rely on a preamp that you trust and know that sounds good. Mm -hmm. I'm not that picky. (laughs) But I I have worked with A1s, audio people who run shows that have specific brands that they like the sound for. I have an A1 that will ask that we use all of the same shotgun microphones for effects audio because he can tell the sound difference between a Sennheiser or a, you know, an audio technica or a, you know, it can each, each microphone puts out its own warmth, its own kind of vibrance. That's to be, I mean, each microphone is different based on their pickup patterns or based on their, their dynamic range and all that stuff. So it makes sense. We had, um, Raya stream on the show, uh, the last show and he, he talked about streaming and I actually got a couple of comments wanting to know why his audio was so good. Uh, and, you know, they were, was he here with it? No, he actually, Raya Stream uh, is uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania. Uh, and he actually broadcasts with a, uh, and it's the microphones that we normally have as our guest microphones. Justin microphone is the same. It's an SM7B. It's from Shure. But what enhances that sound quality, if anybody is thinking about podcasting and wants to take it to the next level, what you're doing, I think, is great with the with the, that Logitech microphone is the Shure SM7B with the DBX, uh, the voice processor. And that's what Justin has. That's what we use. Um, you know, eventually we're, we will get you the same setup uh, on that. 
But um, that's why his sound was so dynamic. And if you listen to that interview, it really makes a big difference. It does. Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure people are going to be able to notice the difference between this and the previous episode where I was using the SM58. Oh yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean it. Like I said, I was just using that SM58 through a Radio Shack, mind you. A ra- Radio Shack XLR to USB. Radio Shack. I miss them. They were so much fun. I mean, who, where else could you buy something like that? You Nowhere. just walk in, just kind of look around. Remember that? Just going into yeah, the I mean, Radio I Shack. I think I bought it as a backup uh, for when I worked in news as a backup, just in case. Like, I needed to record something into Audacity or into my computer as an emergency, like, Plug a mic in and get a voice track. You know what I've been using? Uh, we just uh, picked up, and uh, this is something else we picked up from Guitar Center, and I really like it. Now, I don't know if you guys use this in MMJ, uh, which is you know multimedia journalism. When somebody goes out, it is a, a mobile. It's from Zoom, and it's basically a mobile audio recorder, and it records onto an SD card. And it's, it's great because it has XLR microphone inputs in it. So you can plug an XLR microphone on one channel, and an XLR microphone or another, or you can use the uh, actually embedded microphones that are uh, both set at angles to get uh, really good dynamic sound. But uh, they they sound great for doing yeah, interviews. Yeah, I've seen those. And uh, when I again, when I worked for the Fox affiliate, um, there was a girl from, I think it was, not NPR, Michigan News or Michigan Radio. She used one of those. Right, and she would she would always plug she could plug it right into the mobile box and get good line audio coming out of that, or she could just set it on the podium and get audio that way, or she could take a feed from one of us. Um, I've definitely seen those. Um, Have you ever done that with video? Because I I know I always like to get like when I've shot video, uh, I'll usually mic up the stand if they're talking on a stand, mm-hmm. and I'll mic that up, and that's how I get myself like with a wireless. But I'm thinking, man, this would be a great backup to have. Just hit record. Walk away and still get that wireless, but you always you're never going to be without that sound. I can't say I've ever done it that way specifically, but I have set a recorder um, to get room noise or to get uh, other angles of audio, right? To get room noise or to get piano noise or stuff. Um, and I use a Tascam. I have a Tascam. Um, I can't think of the model number for it, but uh, right. And yet, this is one of those mobile little, little yeah. devices you can take anywhere. Yeah, and it's it's designed so that you can actually mount it to a tripod. It's got quarter twenty threading on it, so you can mount it right to the tripod. And then it's got a it's made for DSLR film filming. Right. Uh, have you ever you looked actually, at, Have you ever looked at the Rode products? R O D E. Yeah, Rode, I have Rode. a handful of Rode products as well. Do you like those? Because I've seen those, especially the shotgun mics. They have a kit for the Canon DSLRs where you can put it on top of the DSLR camera, and it, supposedly it picks up pretty good. Uh, I have a road shock. I think it's called the roadie, right? <laughs> which is kind of a fun name for it. Um, it's, it, yeah, you just, it goes into the cold shoe and you just plug in three to, ha- you know, 3.5 millimeter or eighth inch uh, into the, whatever device you're recording it to, whether it's camera or a recorder. Right. Um, and I've used a handful of different road products, um, shotguns, uh, other types of microphones. I mean, I have no issue with road. Right. Uh, I have to take a look at them because uh, again, I was trying to, I was trying to decide maybe of getting that as a solution as well. I will, I will say that their branding is on point because their short shotgun windscreens are emblazoned with the word "road" in white. <laughs> so everybody knows what so, you're using. So if you put a mic out on the floor or anyway, you know that's a road because it says "road" right on the side. Or if uh, you're the only one using it, you know that's your mic. It's not going to walk. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> that works out good too. I got to tell you a funny story though. 
If you go retail and you buy any piece of hardware, always check your box before you leave the store. So I bought this, you know, this Zoom handheld device and it was hilarious. I did a, I decided to do an open box. And what that means is an open box is before you even look at it, you open it live on camera. So people get your real reaction. They get your thoughts as you're opening the box. And I, I, I posted this and then took it down because I opened the box live on, on the camera. I took it out of the box. All it was, was the plastic that the actual recorder came in. They forgot to give me the actual recorder itself. They had that as a display model. And right away, you go through every scenario in your head. They're not going to believe me. I just spent 200 bucks for this thing. They're not going to believe me. Right. So luckily, uh, I called them and they saw me. I showed them the video. Here's the unboxing I did. Look what happened. And I took the video down only because I didn't want to make them look bad. And they, sure. they laughed at it. They apologized and they gave me the right device. So. Uh, but either way, yeah, always check your device. I always check the stuff when you leave the store. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. You've been involved in a really big project. Uh, and honestly, I know a lot of our listeners want to do the same thing. So we're going to get some tips from you. You can tell us more about what you're doing when we, when we come back from the break. Sounds great. Yeah, it's a uh, family video and photo archive. Good deal. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. You can find us on the web at Tech Talk Radio. Com. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Sean DeWeird. I'm Andy Taylor, and uh, you can find us on the World Wide Web at TechTalkRadio.com. We're on Twitter at Tech Talk Radio, Instagram at Tech Talk Radio. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to our shows uh, via iHeart as well as Spreaker. Spot it. We're on Spotify now. So anytime you want to listen to us, you can listen to us just about anywhere. And before we get into this, I got to ask you, um, well, I got to tell you, uh, you made the jump to iOS 13 before anybody else I know did that. And uh, you were pretty jazzed about it, right? Yeah, it was, I just did the update just to, I did it, I don't know, a day or two after they released it, about two days before they released their first update. <laughs> I honestly haven't had any made any of the major issues that you've been seeing. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any major changes in terms of battery life or anything like that. So I'm happy with it. Yeah. My wife's happy with it. We can send each other our memojis now or whatever they're called. <laughs> I can't get one, one that looks like me. They're all too young. I need an older one. It's like I can't have I can't have black and gray. It's all just gray. And then as soon as I add the gray, it adds wrinkles to me. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. I got I got unwrinkled skin, but I, I got gray hair. So yeah, um, creating my animoji. The, the, was... the one thing that I can tell I say I don't like about it is the way they manage their photos um, and how. The photos are just, I just don't like the way it's organized now. Yeah, I liked it the I way it was it before. Than... Now it's kind of weird because the, the, they're big on your screen and you have to scroll up to see past events and mm-hmm. other things like that. I just, I don't like it. But well, and I, I tend to use Google Google Photos more than anything and it automatically goes up to my Google Photo Drive. Um, I haven't really gotten into, I, I don't know why. I mean, I know iCloud is there, but I just, I don't, I, I have not partaken in, in iCloud. Uh, the only thing I use iCloud for is backups um i prefer to have a wireless and a physical backup well not a physical backup but a backup of it on my computer and a backup on the iCloud just in case i'm traveling and i don't have my computer with me and my phone blows up i can go to buy a new phone right and log into my iCloud and i have all of my contacts my data it's all stored on the cloud Uh, that's the only reason i use iCloud and i paid 99 cents for 50 gigs well that's not too bad 
Ninety nine yeah. cents a month. It's not that bad. Um, and fifty gigabytes of storage. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. I so I will tell you. I I went ahead and I, I Saturday this past Saturday I went crazy. I I decided all right. I'm getting all my devices. I got all my old iPhones. The iPhone four. The iPhone five. The my old iPod, my old iPad, um, and I updated all of them as much as I could because there was a cutoff. Uh, I don't know if you know about this uh, Sunday. If right. It, so it's a cutoff. And if you didn't read about it or if you didn't see about it before the mainstream media got it, they made you terrified that you were going to lose Internet on any iOS device you ever owned in your entire life. It was not the case. That was not the case. No, but that's how the, every every article headline I saw was update your iPhone right this second or yeah. else you're going to lose the Internet forever. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people did. So I said, all right, might as well go ahead and do this. And it's funny because everybody was doing this last Saturday and the servers were crawling. And I honestly found by connecting to iTunes and letting I rather than do it wirelessly through your device itself, that was the fastest way to do the update. And it was able to do them all and got them all updated and they're working fine. So I like it. You know, it was weird though because I... I I pull up this uh, iPhone 4 and I, I like pulled it up and I'm like, oh, I've got tons of photos on here that I don't have these archived. So I was able to archive those and the whole bit. So having that, uh, that was good. But I went ahead and I made the jump. I, this is when I finally decided, okay, might as well go to iOS 13, did my backups. And I'm going to say, say to everybody, if you're finally going to make the jump, whether it be an Apple device, a Google device, you know, you know Pixel or, you know, Samsung device, any device. Make a backup before you do it, just in case, because you never know. And I did it. And I got to tell you, the funniest thing is is the only thing I really like, because I'm not into the Animoji stuff, the thing I like the most more than anything is the volume control. And I think you mentioned that. What a big difference that makes. What a big difference it makes since you're watching a video, and you adjust the volume, and all of a sudden, there's this big old white square in the middle of your screen. Yeah. And it's irritating. You, 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 it takes away from what you're watching. Now you and, don't do yeah, that. And then now it's on the side. And I, that's from a UI standpoint that I think was a great choice. And I, I think they toyed, they had toyed around with it or mm-hmm. at least allowed developers to put it in their apps um, to move things around. Cause Apple's known for not allowing developers to get into certain functions and do certain things. Um, Cause there were some apps that you were in YouTube or you were in Netflix and you adjust the volume and it was on the side, but not right. the main iOS iOS 13, now it's on the side and it's it's way better. It's not in your way. It's streamlined. It just feels and sounds better. The other thing that I really liked about uh, the iOS 13 uh, was the ability to send all unknown callers to voicemail. Now, it will still alert you that a call came in and it was getting really ridiculous. And this is another reason that I went ahead and made the jump is on that Friday and anybody who hasn't done this yet, um, I do have the the call filter from my carrier that will block most spam calls, but then it'll still ring and it'll show me, oh, spam call. Um, and that's just kind of a pain. Now, I don't even see it ring. It just shows up that a call came in. If they leave a message, I can listen to it and then I can decide, okay, I'm going to add them to my contact list, which is the way I've been doing it. And I, ever since I did that, oh my gosh, I love it. Now it's not set by default. So listeners right. know you do have to go into your settings you do have to go in and, and actually turn that feature on that it'll send all unknown callers to voicemail. So it's not like you're going to miss the call. If it's really important, they're going to leave a message anyways. So, and the thing with spam calls, as soon as they get that prompt to leave a message, they hang up. 
So at least this way it saves you the saves you the hassle of being interrupted with a call coming in. And I do like that. All right. So you've been involved in a project for some time. I saw one of your your videos on social media and I know I, I, I looked at it and I said, oh, that's a project he's doing in the archiving. For anybody that's ever thought about archiving, you know, we've had guests on uh, before our good buddy from Scan My Photos. But if, it, if it's a DIY solution that you're looking for, you've pretty much taken on a pretty big task. Yeah. So my grandmother moved into a new home and, and after we were helping her move her, moving her out, I was tasked with, well, we've got all of these. Here's all of Papa's slides and photos and eight millimeter films. And we would like to task you with digitizing this. You tell us what it's going to cost to buy some equipment, yada, yada, yada. Boy, did I underestimate the amount of work this is going to take. <laughs> See, that's now, granted, now, granted, it's been a very, very humbling experience for me. Yeah. I am seeing the history of my family through the eyes of my grandparents. That's pretty cool. I'm seeing my great grandparents, my great aunts and my great uncles as children. I, I'm, you know, and it's very, it's, it's awesome. Now the film formats you're working with, uh, is cause at one point 16 was actually a home format. Um, but you're working with eight, right? Eight yeah, millimeter? this is all, it's all I, the, the only types of film I have that I've come across so far, um, are eight millimeter, um, mostly Kodachrome or uh, some other, I haven't, exactly paid attention to exactly what kind of film stock it's on but any of the films are either um 50 foot reels 100 foot reels and then there's a handful of 500 foot reels as well wow i think i'm pretty sure there's multiple films taped or sealed together uh, on these bigger reels mm-hmm. um but that's what, that's what we used to do actually because we had the uh the bell and hell uh i think it was the bell and hell might have been might have been the kodak uh projector and like, uh, I remember we did a trip to England and we came back with maybe nine reels, you know? Yeah. And so we would take and just kind of string them together on one, you know, mm-hmm. bigger reel. So that way you could watch it without, you know, being interrupted and yeah. having to change a reel out. So I definitely understand where I get my love of photography and filming from is from my grandfather, uh, because he has a lot of film <laughs> oh, wow. um, and he's got a lot of slides and he's got a really good eye for photography. Um, and so I've been going, first of all, I organized it all. So I organized it all by uh, re- film reels, but I also have 35 millimeter ne- negatives from 35 millimeter SLRs, things like that. Right. So then there's the stuff that's, it doesn't have negatives. Are they in the same film pouch? Uh, what wow. doesn't have negatives? What does have negatives? Are they in the same film pouch? Am I going to scan the same, same stuff more than once? So I'm kind of going through all of the eight millimeter films right now. Right. Um, I'm putting them through. I, I did some research online and I really wasn't going to be satisfied with some of the film scanners that just scan it mm-hmm. at a fast rate and put, put together a, a, a movie for you. Um, what, about, I really, what, what about an automated scanner, though, where you drop? Um, you get photos that are almost the same size and I've looked at these in the past. I know Epson makes one and you drop it in and it will just speed scan these things in. Right. So I've got, I bought a flatbed scanner. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but the eight millimeter films is what I'm talking about at this point. Um, I wanted a frame by frame film scanner. So something that has a film leader that can pull the film through 
that can scan or take a picture of each frame as it goes through. Now that's uh, a, that's a big tech because people need to run, understand. Twenty four frames make one second of film. Correct, correct. Yeah, so twenty four individual frames on film makes up one second of video. So for a fifty foot real film, you're getting about two and a half to three minutes of video. And so what I found was there's a company called Wolverine. Uh, it's, it's a company that makes these uh, scanners. They make a product that's called the Movie Maker Pro. Uh, it's a reel-to-reel film scanner, frame by frame. You load up the you load up the reels. You feed it through. You line it up. It's got a light source underneath, and it's got an image sensor above. And what it does is just pulls. It pulls and does. It's got a stepper motor in it. If, now, how does it how does it capture that off that? So it's got a, it's got an image sensor. Right. And then it just it takes an image, and then whenever you hit start and stop, it takes whatever is in that area and then compiles it and puts stitches it together for you. Wow. So it's not I, it's not saving the images for me, and then I do it individually. It's stitching it together as a as an MP4, and then dumping it to an SD card. So now, why is why is that a benefit over the? And we've seen these in the past, and I know you can get these where they're projectors. They project the movie onto a screen. You get a camera, um, you know, that that it can can record in 24 frames per second uh, that is pointing at that as well. What is the benefit of the film scanner doing it like that versus uh, capturing a video, uh, you know, capturing film with video? It's just a higher quality. Uh, It's you're getting every single frame. Uh, Granted, I can't see every single frame. It doesn't give me the option to just save the pictures and I can put them together that way. It's interpolating and, and putting the file together on its own, but it's scanning each individual frame. So you're seeing instead of it interpolating on the fl- instead of a DSLR or another right. video camera, interpolating the data on the fly and saying, okay, as it's going by on the screen, it's capturing the data and interpolating the data, the pixel changes and all that. This is giving you every single frame. So it's a more accurate representation of the original film. And and how much does this device cost? Bought it on Amazon. Right. I believe it was a about three hundred and twenty dollars. Film tray goes over a light source, which shoots up through the film, and then the image sensor is above. And just you can. What's kind of cool with this one is it it allows you to adjust the frame. So it takes the image, it allows you to adjust digitally where it sees the the film. So if it's pulling lightly, or the film is a little oversized, or so I have it scanning a little bit wider than the, so I see the whole film frame, plus I see the leaders, and plus I see the edge of the film. Uh, and then I'll crop that out later and post and uh, do all that stuff. Now, what about now what uh, about sprockets? Because a lot of us have the 50-foot film reels, and over time, uh, the sprockets maybe have uh, been damaged to, to pull it through. Does it, does it yeah. make up for that? No, you have to have film that's in decent condition. If you have film that's in rough condition, Likely better off going to a, a professional, um, something that can deal with damaged film sprockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will get really angry at you if you have broken film sprockets, <laughs> or it doesn't jam, but it won't pull. It won't, can't pull film through if it it, it it shuts off after a few minutes of it not detect, not detecting like a seizing, or if it's caught, it'll shut right. off after a few seconds. But All right. we have, um, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to ask about preparation for this. Uh, and good. some things that people could think about. Uh, we'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. And I'm Sean DeWeird. All right, so uh, during the break, uh, we did a little research on the, the projector that will take your 8 millimeter film, and it will actually scan each frame 
of that. Remember, 24 frames make uh, you know make a second of film. So that's why in a 50 foot reel, you got what about three and a half minutes uh, of movie. A- approximately depends on how much film is actually on the 50 foot. Uh, just sometimes people ran short or ran long or cut off the excess if they got it developed and they didn't have it all there. But but one of the nice things about it is once you get this MP4, you can pop it into a video editing program. And mm-hmm. there's there's some that are freeware on the market. There's some that are a little you know a little better. Uh, if you run a Mac. Uh, you can uh, you can also edit on your Mac. I think uh, you know they have uh, some uh, versions that come with the operating system, or you can go Final Cut with one of those. But you can edit out like a bright spot that uh, wasn't good, or you can really kind of fine tune this, right? Yeah, you can. And I have been paying attention, and I clean. I've cleaned all my films too. Okay, that that was the question I wanted to ask. Preparation. So uh, before preparation, you do something like this, what do you have to do? I started doing it without cleaning my films. Mm-hmm. first and what i saw was a lot of mold enough that it you could see like as it went through the scanner it was leaving debris behind and it was uh, you could tell the clarity wasn't there um so i started doing some research and a lot of times people think well i'll just use the isopropyl alcohol i have in my closet and clean. it's fine it's it, the problem with most people's isopropyl alcohol that they have at home is it's 70 percent, meaning it doesn't dry very fast mm-hmm which is why the water is what causes most of the deterioration in the emulsion of the film. What you have to do, and what I did was I went onto Amazon and I looked up 99% isopropyl alcohol. Ah, okay. And it dries very fast. Right. And all I've been doing is I will put the 8mm reel on the, the free spinning end of the reel. I'll pull out all the film. Right. And then I'll go to one end with a, and I bought some lintless 99, 99.9% cotton-free. They're called PEC pads, P-E-C pads. They're a non-abrasive emulsion-safe cleaning pad. I'll dip it in some alcohol and I'll put it the film in between my fingers and I'll run the length of the... I'll just keep doing this. Down the whole length of the film. Right. And you'll be surprised at the crud that comes off. <laughs> it could be well, like how you stored it. And... Right. So I've been doing that for every film and since I started doing that, I've had zero, almost zero issues with the films actually going through the film scanner okay. It hasn't gotten caught up on anything. It also allows me to inspect for uh, leader damage, bracket damage. It allows me to see if the film's in good condition, if there's any bear, bends, tears, breaks, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've, now I've been doing that for every single film reel I put through here. And that adds a significant amount of time. You had no idea, like, how much time was going to be no, involved it, when you took this project, right? Once I put the film reels on and get it all set up, it's a, it, you can hear it just sits there and hums in the background. Click, click. Every second it's doing a frame of film, which is fine. But what takes the most time for me is cleaning and scanning the slides, the mm-hmm. slide film. And I think I've scanned about 1,300. Wow. Sl- single individual slides so far. Now, are you putting this together like, okay, so you have the film. Are you going to kind of mix it like a mixed media type of, of presentation? So you have the film. And then you'll have like a slideshow, you know, because so I, I haven't decided how I want to present it yet. Right. Uh, and I don't want to go into too many details in case somebody in my family's listening because it's going to be a gift for somebody. <laughs> it's going to be a surprise. Yeah. Um, whether or not I put the slides and do a, you know, a, a long video that it just auto applies the Ken Burns effect to every image and that does goes on that way. Um, but I have to get it organized first. Right now, I'm just kind of organizing it like, okay, this box said it was from the 1950s. It's labeled 1950 this trip or this deck this day or this month. 
And now I have to go through and actually figure out, okay, how do I want to present this? Cause it's just, it's just kind of all random. Right. There's, you know, you have family reunions and you have birthdays and you have Christmases and you have Easter's and you have, uh, my uncle Tom's first birthday, uncle Tom's first ride on a motorcycle, trip to Colorado, trip to Colorado, trip to, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's staying organized is very important when you do this because you get a lot of media and it can get very overwhelming. I mean, I've got almost 1300 slides or more than that. If, and I'd have to look at the last count kind of all categorized by date and I'm just lumping them in as dates. And then I want to go sit. And then I want to sit with my family and go through and say, okay, who's in this picture? Ah, who are, boy, who's, yeah. who is this? Who is that? You know, some of these people I've never met in my entire life because they either passed because some of these films or some of these slides are from the, the late night, late 1940s into the early 1950s. Right. Um, so, but I've been cleaning every single slide before I put it in the film scanner. And for that, I'm using a, an Epson V600, which is, what, was, which was recommended to me by another professional. Um, and I'm scanning them at 3,200 DPI. Wow. That's pretty big. That's, that's, that's kind of the recommended, uh, 2,400 is kind of the recommended, but I saw a little bit of an increase in file size when I went to 3,200 and I just want that file size. So in case somebody wanted to print it a little bit bigger, um, cause I have a, I have an, I have a feeling that some of my family members are going to want to print some of these, maybe put them on the wall as a canvas Mm -hmm. or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, that's kind of what you get above that and you're kind of just overkilling yourself. Well, yeah, and uh, over, it, it's overkill. And that's the thing. If you get a photo and you've scanned it and then somebody says, well, gosh, I, I'd like to be able to print that, you know, and maybe the original was a, you know, four by five, you want to do your five by seven, or maybe, maybe go eight by 10. Um, you need to scan it at a higher DPI. Otherwise you're going to get a right. blotchy kind of a mushy type of a photo. Right. So be and clear. so that's why I've been, I've tried to, uh, I wanted to scan them a little bit higher just so I could have that for safekeeping. Um, and that's just from what I've, I've done a lot of self research on the internet with Google, uh, on what the best recommendations are. And there's a lot of recommendations. Everybody wants to be a expert when it comes to this. Um, but, uh, that's kind of the general consensus or the average that I found that people were scanning them in as you have a, you feel you have more of a control by using uh, an actual flatbed, you know, scanner that does one at a time versus the multiple, Fast well, scans. so the benefit of the V series for the Epson is they come with templates. It's got a reflective surface scanner and it's got a negative surface scanner. Mm. So it's right. got trays you drop in on the surface and I could drop in four slides at a time. Right. And using the Epson software, it scans four at a time. It recognizes. There are four different pictures. Right. It recognizes it. It uses its software to figure out, okay, here's one slide, here's two slides, here's two slides. And then it shows you, here's a preview of your four slides. Then mm-hmm. you hit scan and it scans them individually. What I did when I first got this uh, to start scanning, I scan in all of my personal 35 millimeter films, film slides, film right. negatives, which worked out great. So now you can you can take a negative and put this yeah. on the scanner and it will correct it as a positive? Correct. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now mine doesn't yeah, do so that. You, so I take my 30, you know, you take the long strips. They're usually, you know, the, the photo people at Walmart or Meyer or whatever, cut them up into four or five slide negatives right. you drop them in the tray you close the little lid then you close the big lid scan it it recognizes it'll find the individual images or you could you know 
right. pick them out individually if it didn't do a good job. Because sometimes darker images, sometimes it doesn't pick them out just right. And then you scan them in, and it scans them in individually at that higher DPI. Oh, wow. I had no idea. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, so just the time of putting the negatives in, that, that's what takes a lot of time. But cleaning your films, uh, especially older films that get mold or mildew and that kind of stuff, um, is was kind of a big deal. For any of our listeners that are are going to embark on this, Sean, um, that decide, I really want to scan all those pictures. I'm, you know, and this is a great way to protect them. Uh, and if you don't want to use the service, like scan my photos, you want to DIY it, um, is, I mean, how much time do you have to really give yourself to, to do all of this? Way more than you're going you're gonna to think. Um, I would say for a 50 foot reel to go through that machine, it's 45 minutes for me to do the slides by myself. It's probably four slides every five minutes. And there's nothing you can do if, with just if one. If I'm afternoon. cranking them out, yeah, you can't just do this in one afternoon. This is not. No, no, no. no. This is. I've been working on it four months now. Oh well. <laughs> and it's 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 in my free time. So it's I come home from work and I play some games or whatever, and then I have a, an hour or two to kill. I'll go and I'll scan thirty or forty slides or one slide tray because. A lot of the slides were in trays, which you dropped into a slide a projector right. that would pull the slides up and read them. So you could present them that way. Okay, so uh, give us the name of that company again that makes the Movie Maker. If, if... Uh, it's called Wolverine. All right. Uh, their, their website is wolverinedata.com. They have a couple cheaper versions of the Movie Maker, um, and they have a couple different versions. This product, the one that I bought, the Movie Maker Pro, mm -hmm. is the cheapest consumer level product that i could find that did slide by uh, frame by frame wow you, you jump up to a prosumer or a, or a professional model you're looking at that number's gonna have a comma in it <laughs> oh great i don't like those i don't like those numbers the more um, commas yeah forget that yeah yeah so i mean you're looking at 13 1400 15 or up for yeah. for for yes it's gonna be it would be a higher resolution image sensor that can take better pictures i am very happy with this product now, for somebody who wanted to embark on this as a business to create videos, uh, because pe people can do that. Could they use yeah. this product? Yes. Yes, they could. Um, but your return on yeah. investment, you have to look at it in a time scenario. I, I guarantee there are a lot of other families that have massive loads of films and slides just like mine. And you have to just weigh how much time do you, how much is your time worth? I'm doing it because I was curious. I'm doing it because I love doing stuff like this. I love archiving old films. I'm a big photography fan. I mean, my grandfather has got some some photography in here from his slides that puts mine to shame. Oh, wow. And I'm very excited to share some of that with my family because there are some shots in here from Yellowstone from the early 50s that are unbelievable at how well the color of this film has been preserved and how I'm very excited to show some of these pictures and some of these slides and some of the films even, but just it's you, you, I, from a historical standpoint, from it being my family, I've invested personal time into this Yeah, and I've gotten out personal reflection and personal time back. So that's my give and take from that is it's worth it for me because it's my family. Now, if somebody said, Hey, I want you to scan and slide, you know, scan and scan all my slides and films, I would give them a price. I would say it, it took me this long or it would take me this long to do it. Here's a price. There are companies that you get a box, you box it all up and you ship it to them. Yeah. But some of those prices are pretty outrageous if you ask me. Yeah. But then again, what's your time worth? 
Exactly. Good question. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. Uh, it's been a big week in streaming. Uh, if you're looking for entertainment at home, we'll talk about one of those options and why well, a lot of people are looking at that when we come back. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. We'll be back with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Sean DeWeird. I'm Andy Taylor. Okay, so uh, big news this week, PlayStation View. Where does that come into play for for people? So in the streaming world, there's a lot happening. You got all these new streaming services coming. PlayStation View was a big one early. They had a lot of content. It was a little expensive, but they had, the, in my opinion, some of the most the most content you could get from out there. Week About a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, a coworker of mine said he got an email saying PlayStation View is shutting down. They said, January 30th, we're shutting it down. Wow. They announced, uh, PlayStation announced via email and a post on their website that the service would shut down on January 30th. And they say it's unfortunately due to the highly competitive pay TV industry. Oh, wow. So they're, they're talking about uh, competing with services like Hulu, Netflix. Yep. Oh, wow. And uh, you would think that Sony, it's Sony, right? I mean, they're... Right, it's Sony. But, I mean, you got to figure all these different contracts. They had all these sports, you know, ESPN. They, they, they had international sports. That's There's different contracts for each type of sport you can imagine and it was all coming through the playstation view so i'm sure it was very expensive to keep rights to certain things uh but it just shows that even if you're sony you can't keep it working yeah because that's just one production company that's just one distributor right i yeah, mean one, you, you yeah. look at apple apple just launched their service uh back on the first their service only 4.99 a month and a lot of people oh that's neat that's neat it ties into the apple interface uh the whole bit um with apple tv However, a couple of big ones are still on their way. Um, first one is Disney+. Plus. This is the one that you think you're probably going to go for, right? Well, I think it's going to offer us access to a lot of old Disney content that I like to watch. It's going to offer me access to the Star Wars universe, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to offer me, because a lot of the older Star Wars content is going to be available in high def. Which, if you're a huge Star Wars nerd, not a lot of the old Star Wars content was available in HD. Absolutely. This will be nice. Uh, and then the Marvel Universe, you've got that. Uh, Disney Plus is going to go for, and here's the thing. You can buy it just Disney Plus, but if you have Hulu, and a lot of us have Hulu, you can get it bundled not only with that, but also ESPN. So you're going to be able to get all three services for $12.99 a month, and that's not bad. And then still to come, and we're going to have to talk more about this next week, is HBO Max. Now, that's not going to be coming until May of 2020. That's honestly... That's the one I want because they're going to have Looney Tunes and I love Looney Tunes. So there you go. Who doesn't love, if you don't love Looney Tunes, you're not living life. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Sean, great to have you on the show. Justin was out this week, but uh, we'll be back next week with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. See you soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.